today. It being uh, Father's Day, I want to share a little bit about the, the, the significance of our adoption by our Abba, by Abba, by our Father, Daddy God. Adoption by Abba. Um, let's look at this. By the way, I'm sorry about my voice. I've got a rotten cold. Um, this version of Ephesians 5, the message version, calls us to watch what God does and then do it. <coughs> like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you, keep company with him, and learn a life of love. I love the way that's put. Uh, the NIV says be, an, be imita an imitator of God. God is our father. If we're going to imitate anybody, we want to imitate our father, God. Now, I would say this before we get into the rest of the material here, that for some of us, Father's Day can be a little bit of a challenging day, much like mothers on Mother's Day. Uh, if you've lost your father who's died, that can be a challenging thing. Or if you have or have had a difficult relationship with your dad, that, that can be this can be a tougher day uh, than most. Perhaps for some who wish to be a father and for whatever reason cannot be a father, it can be a tough day. Um, there's a lot of pain associated with uh, parenting and being a father in different ways. Um, this year alone in the United Kingdom anyway, um, 35,000 children will enter the care system. 35,000, just in one year, will enter the care system in the UK. That's not even globally, 35,000. And some of that's being separated for whatever reason from mothers as well as fathers, but we're thinking about fathers particularly today. Those 35,000 children who for some reason or another either cannot have or, or it's not wise to have their biological father connected to them at this point in their lives. That's, it's a, you know, the, this is tough stuff, I mean, it, and it's not easy for everybody. But I do think it's right to celebrate the good that is in fathers and in fatherhood and to be grateful for the father figures in our lives, whether they're your biological father or some other father figure, because God often provides us with other people in our lives as father figures. So what I'd like us to do for a moment here before we go on is just turn to the person next to you and share who were or are important father figures in your life and what did you learn from them? So let's take a couple of minutes just to share that. Who was or is or continues to be an important father figure to you and what have you learned from them? Just maybe one thing. Okay, so have a chat with somebody near you. Anybody want to share? Tunde. Eva's dad. Yeah. Father-in-law. Father okay. Because, I mean, he stands for family values. Family values. And selflessness. Selflessness. Yeah. Excellent. Selflessness. Super. It's good to learn that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another one? Who else? Yes. I think my dad, I spent a lot of time with my dad growing up. I used to love being outside and just doing a lot of things that a lot of teenagers would moan about. Like, I love being outside doing the gardening and building things. And, you know, we, we bought a boat at one point that was completely dilapidated. So we, we kind of filed all that, not filed, we sanded all that down and got, got that road, you know, roadworthy? What am I talking about? <laughs> um, 
seaworthy. There we go. Got the words. And I remember, I remember learning through all of that. And the thing that stands out in my mind is just the independence, which I've got buckets of, but also just the no comment. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to deal with it. I know. And, um, but within that, just the, the idea that you can do anything. Right. The, the, you can do anything that you put your mind on. You can be achieved. If you're on yeah. this boat that's still agitated to go in the water, you've got to work hard, you've got to do things, but you'll get it in the water. You can get there. If you want this right. to produce apples and vegetables, you've got to do things to make that happen. But All right. And through that, I think I learned... That did Tremendously that. valuable lessons. Mm, yeah. Wow, excellent. A couple more. Yes, Joe. Um, I went blank uh, when we had to talk about this, but thinking about it now, my dad... Mm -hmm. Uh, what did I learn from him? Uh, he was always making sure we were safe or protection. Uh, when I was uh, free diving about 300 meters into the sea with my uh, adopted uncle, I adopted him as my uncle. Uh, we were free diving to 12, 15 meters for abalone and crayfish. And we were in the water for about three hours, which is colder than the UK waters. And my dad was standing there the whole time looking to make sure that I came up every time. And I didn't know that until my mom told me. Hmm. So when my mom told me that, that, that really stood out about my dad. Wow. That's, that's a safeguarding dad right there, making sure. Thank you. That's quite, that's really moving. Maybe one more. Uh, Simon. Yeah, my <laughs> Your dad is a remarkable chap. So it's a privilege to know him. He is a very serving, very well, very bright chap, and very, but very bright, but also very people-oriented and serving. I've seen that in your house, where your house is always, that house is always full, and there are always people there. Yeah, we've all had or have. Father figures in our lives we're very grateful for. Let's think about God and his qualities. One thing in particular I wanted to get across today is God as our adoptive father. God as our adoptive father. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, that's it, he chose us. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption. Adoption to sonship. And we'd have to include daughtership there, right? Through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Now adoption is not something most of us are strongly connected with, though some. Um, but adoption is a powerful thing. Um, back in the 90s when Penny and I lived in Manchester, we, uh, that, that conference I mentioned earlier on, we went to India and then on to Manila. That conference in Manila in 1994 had a strong emphasis on adoption. And many of our friends had either adopted or planned to adopt. 
Douglas and Vicky Jacobi had adopted, Mark and Nadine Templer had adopted, and a number of people. And so Penny and I considered it. We had our two young children, and we thought about adopting, and we came back from, uh, from that conference in Manila and decided we would try to adopt. Um, so uh, this was us at the time. Now, I'm very grateful that the picture is washed out. Uh, <coughs> uh, uh, but um, there, that was us uh, at that time in Manchester. We, we signed up with the adoption services agent, an agency in, in Manchester. We went through some training. And without going into all the details, I want to tell you about one thing. It was an amazing uh, period of training. And it, it, it radically changed the way I thought about myself, actually, as a person and being a parent and, and the whole issue of adoption. But there's one exercise that had us do. There was a lot of, there was, a lot of it was, was um, practical training and hands-on kind of um, workshop style stuff. And one particular workshop, all of us who were training, there were maybe, uh, I don't know, four or five couples, sat in a very big circle. Chairs like this and a hall very like this. Sat in a big circle with the social workers and the other people doing the training. And they asked for a volunteer. And I don't know whether I volunteered or someone volunteered me, but I ended up being a volunteer. <laughs> And they asked me to stand in the middle of the circle. I stood in the middle of the circle, and they gave me a very big ball of string. Big ball. And then they gave all the people seated around me in the circle different uh, labels, like on a piece of paper. They'd, when one was said something like birth mother, another said first foster parent, second foster parent, third foster home, um, adoptive parent, social worker, nurse, and midwife, I, there were, they gave these labels and names to, uh, to different people to hold. And then I stood in the middle with the piece of string, and I, gave the, I was told to give the end of the piece of string to the birth mother, the person with the birth mother signs. So I gave that to uh, that person and stood in the middle. And then they read the story of a real child of the first several years of its life. And they said, right, so... After birth, first of all, the child went to the grandmother's house. First of all, to be looked after by grandmother. So where's grandmother over there? So I went over there with the ball of string. And then she held on to the next, like the next, she pinched it, you know, and held on to it. And I went back to the middle. And then from grandmother's, she went to auntie's. The child went to the auntie's house. Where's the auntie? Over there. So I step over the string and come over to the auntie. Pinch the piece of string. So it's becoming a web. And I'm stepping over the web because it's getting even more, more and more intricate all around me. As the child was moved from one relationship to another, one home to another, before eventually ending up with the adoptive parents. And by the time we're done, I'm standing in the middle and I'm sort of hemmed in by all this string, uh, latticed around me. And the social worker leading the session said, because I'm the child, it's like that's, that's my kind of who I am in this. Said, How do you feel? I said, I feel completely lost. I don't know where I belong. I, and it was a, a visceral experience that had a deep impact on me 20-odd uh, years ago. And I remember it very, very powerfully. And it made me think very differently about adoption. And, and as it turned out, it didn't work out for us to adopt. God, I think, thought it wasn't the right, right thing for us. But, but I, I remember it so clearly. And it helped me a lot spiritually, to think about all, all of what God had to do to get me in the right place at the right time to be adopted by him, mm -hmm. adopted for sonship, all the things that had to come right, all the 
circumstances of my life, all the ways in which he moved and worked in different relationships and different experiences to prepare my heart for adoption, and all the ways he had to work in human history, starting, if you like, with Adam and Eve, and then through Abraham and Moses and the people of Israel, and the prophets and the exile and the, and, and, and the remnant, and then, and then the birth of Jesus, and, and then the early church, and then the two millennia since then, and the preservation of, of God's word, and, and the power of his spirit, and the significance of his love for us, persevering through human history, so that I, could, I would have this opportunity to be adopted by him. It's astonishing. Isn't it astonishing that God, our Father, would want to adopt us? You and I, we know each other. We know we're not the ideal children. <laughs> right? I mean, if you, well, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you think you're an ideal child, then you have a serious spiritual problem, right? <laughs> so, so. So I just want to ask us to reflect on this. I've got a couple of other things to share, but to reflect on this, to refresh our gratitude for being adopted. Do you remember what it was like to be lost, to be confused, to not have a home, to not know where you belonged? Do you remember that? And then remember how lucky we are and be refreshed in our gratitude about how lucky we are to have been adopted. Let's... Let's move on. Uh, Romans chapter 8 says this, because what does it mean? Well, what this adoption means is we have a real relationship with our Father. It's a real relationship. So Romans 8, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Dad, Actually, dada, really, in that vernacular. Dada, father, dada. It was great to have uh, Charlotte Bromman around yesterday, along with Stefan and Liesl, and uh, to have the boys running around. And uh, that was great. Don't laugh. It was great. And uh, no, it really was great. And, but, but the boys, they just, you know, they, they love their folks. And uh, even, even this morning, as, as uh, I, I got to hold Zach for a bit this morning, he was talking about his daddy this morning. You know, it just feels very safe with his daddy. You know, we have the privilege of being, that's the safest place we can be, is with God, is with our daddy, God. How lucky we are to have a real relationship with him. I like this quote I want to share with you. Before you were conceived as a bundle of cells, you were conceived in his heart. Before you were born into an earthly family, you were adopted into his family. Before you were able to form a smile, he beamed over you with pleasure. He was your father first. First. He's ours. He's our father first. One of the privileges of having God as our dada is that through life, as life goes on, we can have an ever-deepening relationship with him. Your relationship never stops, right? I mean, at some point, my father's 83. At some point, that relationship will end. I don't know how much longer he'll have on this earth. And for some of us, that's already ended, our relationship with our physical father. But with our spiritual father, it always gets deeper every year. I was in Kent. My parents, my parents live, as most of you know, uh, on Monday and Tuesday for, a, for two funerals, which I'll tell you more about a little bit later. 
But I spent some time with my mother and father down there. And as I drove away, I remember reflecting that it's really interesting to me how much my relationship with my father has continued to grow over the years. My relationship with my father when I was a teenage boy, I think, was like many, not all, but many teenage boys, which was basically, um, I, I think he should give me everything I want, and I'm annoyed that he won't. And, um, and I didn't like him very much because he was a disciplinarian and he made me do my, all my homework and stuff like that. I mean, it was really annoying. Um, and I didn't have much of a friendship with him. And that's not his fault, I would say. You know, it's one of those things. And he didn't have a father growing up. His father died when my father was only three. So he grew up without a father figure uh, close to him in his life. And so he didn't really know how to have a friendship with me. And that's not his fault. But it's interesting how in my adult life that's changed so much. And it's not just I've reached a new level. It's that I realize year on year on year, it's getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Not rapidly, but a little bit every year. And I love that. And how much more significant it is that we can get deeper and deeper with our Heavenly Father every year. Every year as, as the time goes by. Um, I would just like to encourage us to remind us of the obvious, which is that we're not going to get closer to our Heavenly Father unless we talk to him. So, you know, I, my father never rang me when I was in my adult, you know, younger adult years, but I used to ring him. Um, I didn't at the beginning, but I did after a while. And now he rings me, you know, and we talk. So the more we talk, the more I understand him, right? And the more I listen to him, the more I understand him. So we've got to talk to God and we've got to listen to his word, right? If we're going to get deeper and, and closer to our heavenly father, we need to listen and we need to talk. Not rocket science, but something worth remembering. So because of our adoption, we have a real relationship with our father. And the second and last thing is, is this in, in Psalm 68. Because we have a real relationship with God, then we get to know what God cares about and who he cares about. We get to understand that. So in Psalm 68, it says this. This is a wonderful description of God as Father. It says, sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord, a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. This is our father. This is who he cares about. He cares about, he cares about the fatherless. He cares about the lonely. He cares about the widows. He cares about the prisoners, and I think that's spiritual as well as perhaps physical. There's, I'm sure this isn't, all, this isn't all he cares about, but these are representative of the fact that God cares about the vulnerable and he cares about the needy. When we get closer to our Father, we begin to understand and connect with what he cares about, and that helps us to care. How are we going to make a difference in this world? How's it going to happen? The way we're going to make a difference in this world is by caring about the things that God cares about. Caring about the people God cares about. This is our Heavenly Father. Um, the uh, trip I made, to, I've been to Kent twice recently. Uh, this was my father's birthday back at the end of May. And 
You can just pull that one actually, just give it a little bit of, a little better definition if you don't mind, if we could. And so there's a family gathering, birthday celebrations with uh, various members of my family and uh, my father there, 83rd birthday. Um, and it was great to be there, and I was there again recently, and the reason I was there uh, on Monday and Tuesday this last week was because of two funerals, which happened to be on the same day, people I knew and my parents knew. Uh, my old French teacher passed away, as did my, the mother of my best friend from school days, and it just coincidentally, their funerals were on the same day. Uh, the cremation was at 11.20 in the morning of my mother's my friend's mother and the funeral of my French teacher was an hour later, basically, at a nearby village. And then there was another ceremony a bit later after that, another ceremony after that. So it was a very strange day going to multiple funerals. And, and my mother and father knew both. Uh, my father had known the French teacher for over 50 years. Um, and I have a, a story I'll tell you another time about the significance of him in my life. But he played a very significant role for one year in my life. And I was glad to be able to go to that funeral. And but the thing about being at these funerals was they were meaningful to me, my French teacher and my school friend's mother, very meaningful, but more meaningful to my parents and more meaningful to my father because he had known them closely for 50 years. I knew them a bit. And it was good to be there with my parents because I was able to, I was able to experience what my father felt, what my father felt for the for Peter Lunn, the old French, my old French teacher, what he felt for Wenda Graves, the mother of my, uh, my best friend and the, and the whole family connection. I was able to feel what he felt. And it was good for me to know how he feels about losing close friends. He lost another close friend the pre <coughs> previous week and he lost another one only a few days ago. He'll be doing that funeral next, next week. And to be around my parents and to see them lose their friends and to feel what they feel helps me. It helps me to think about my relationships now. I mean, maybe there will come a time when I will be attending funerals of people I've known for 50 years. Not for a few years, but 50 years. And I'm grateful that I can see, from, I can see an example in my, my father as to how he how he's invested in those relationships and what, how meaningful they are to him. Of course, it's painful for him, but it's painful because the relationships are real. And so as we grow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, we'll come to understand how he feels about the widows, how he feels about the prisoners, how he feels about the, the fatherless, how he feels about the lonely, spiritually and, if you like, materially, emotionally, and in every sense. So my encouragement to, uh, to us today is simply to ask ourselves what is our response to the fatherless, the widow, the lonely, the prisoner, and all that they represent. And do we have the heart of the Father? And can we capture more of the heart of our Father God for the vulnerable and the needy in our, in our world? I think we can. And we can because we've been adopted. We've been adopted as sons and daughters. We've been adopted, and because of that, we have a real relationship where we call him Abba, Daddy, Father. And because of that, we understand and capture his heart. We're going to take communion in a moment, but I'm going to read us a prayer, a Father's Day prayer, and then we'll pass the bread and wine around. So let's pray together and pray this Father's Day prayer.
Father God, we, we thank you. We thank you that we're privileged to know you as our Father. Thank you that you are a Father like no other. That your love for us is abundant and undeserved. And that you have done all that is necessary for us to come into a relationship with you. And on this Father's Day, we also thank you for the father figures who've been there for each of us throughout our lives. Father God, we look to you. We see your perfect example and seek to learn from you. Will you teach us how to love as you do, how to give as you do, how to serve as you do? Show us how we can become more like you in every aspect of our lives, seeking your ways and priorities. Father God, we ask you. We pray for those who have lost father figures and fathers, for those who long to be father and for those who do not have father figures to look up to. Please God, Father God, would you pour out your peace, your comfort and strength on them. Father God, we cry out to you. We pray especially for vulnerable children. Father God, guide us as to how we can respond to your call to care about the vulnerable and to step up on their behalf. Help us to be part of making a difference in their lives, how to respond to their needs with love, compassion, and with action. We thank you that as our Heavenly Father, you have provided everything we need, including the forgiveness of sins through Jesus, your Son. We pray as we take bread and wine now. Please, Father, we pray we'll be refreshed in our gratitude for your adoption of us as your children through Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen.